is the Lord. There's no one like you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Jesus. Lord, for those that are mourning in this place, Lord God, mourning over a loved one, mourning over the death of a friend, of a family mother, Father, I thank you that your word says that you give us the oil of gladness, Lord God, for mourning, God. That the oil of gladness, I pray that you pour out your gladness upon them like oil, Lord. Lord, that they would no longer mourn, but that they would trust you, Lord God. And that as they do, Lord God, that you pour out your oil of gladness and joy for mourning. Joy. Joy in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do today. I thank you for this message, Lord God. Let these words be all of you, none of me. And I thank you that it's going to accomplish the purpose for which it's being sent out, Lord, that it won't return to you void. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen. It's a good service, man. Some really good worship. I'll tell you what, if you didn't feel the presence of the Lord, man, whew, there's nothing like it. I want to welcome everybody to Tabernacle Church. I see we have a lot of new faces. Love it. I am Pastor Nick. I'm the executive pastor here. Pastor Chris is out on vacation. He's been on vacation for about two weeks now, so he's going to be returning next week with us. Um, I have a message for you today that the Lord gave me. Before we get into that, I had a story I was reminded of, and I think I was about probably five years old when this happened, but my mom and I, we went with some friends to a camp out in Mississippi, and when we were out there, I happened to be taking a nap. Well, when I was taking a nap, she went off with some friends, and it was a really wooded area. They had trails and all that kind of stuff back there. Well, I woke up, and I kind of panicked because I'm like, where's my mom at? I'm five years old, right? So I go out there, and somebody, it was one of my mom's friends. I didn't know them. They knew me. They were like, hey, Nick. And I was like, hey, I said, where's my mom? And they said, they said she went out into the woods. So instead of waiting for her to get back, I made the decision to go and try to find her. And when I went into the woods, as soon as I got into the woods, I was met with a fork in the road. And I had a decision. I could either go left to try to find her or I could go right. Well, I felt like I needed to go left, and so I went left, and I'm walking a little bit, and, and she ends up coming back with her friends. She happened to be walking back, and, and we met each other. But the problem was, if I would have chose the other way and I would have just kept walking, I probably would have gotten lost, and people would have been frantic and panicking and all this kind of stuff. So I had a decision to make, right? So, so that, the point of that story is, is, is I had a decision to make. We all have decisions to make. If you think about your daily lives, we make decisions Every day, all day, right? You make decisions, decisions as to when you wake up, what you're going to eat for the day, where you're going to go, where you're going to live, right? What do you spend your money on? These are all decisions. Who do I marry? Who do I hang around with? Who do I talk to? And those decisions, you have to understand this, those decisions will determine the path or the way that your life goes, right? So if you're taking notes today, 
name of this message is going to be called Which Way? Which Way? So in decision making, we like to think that the decision in decision making, there's a there's a right and there's a wrong way to do these things. And and you know, there's a lot of things that we can we can judge people's decisions and say, man, that was that was a bad decision, that was a good decision. But really, in order for there to be a right and a wrong, there has to be a standard by which you judge those decisions on whether they're right or wrong. So the question then becomes, what is the determining factor of whether a decision is right or wrong, right? But let's start out with what it's not. A bad decision is not the fact of you losing your job or even getting a new one, right? Whether that's a bad decision, whether that's a good decision. It's not you eating a good meal or not eating at all. It's not you going to the gym or not going to the gym, and it's not you owning a house or, or renting a house. The determining factor of whether a decision is a good decision or a bad decision if it is, is if it's in the will of God for your life or not. That's the standard by which you have to judge the decisions that you make in your life. Because we can get to a point where we make decisions and our life goes in a path that God never intended it to go. There are people out there that are, that are, that are headlong into doing whatever they want to do. And we've seen people that, that die in addiction, that die in overdose. And I'm here to tell you that's not God's will for your life. But the fact is, is that he's given you a free will to choose what he wants you to do or what you want to do, right? So if that's the determining factor on, on whether something is, is a right decision or a wrong decision for our lives, the question now becomes, how do I determine whether what I'm doing is being done in the will of God or not? And I'm glad you asked because God has an answer, and that answer is a four-part answer. And that's what we're going to dive into today. We're going to look at a scripture that is a very well-known scripture, a very recited scripture, even by people who, who really aren't believers, right? So we're going, to, we're going to be in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 today. And this is what Solomon said in, in, in Proverbs. He said this. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? He said, and lean not on your own understanding. He said, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he, he shall direct your paths. So the first part of that scripture, the first thing that Solomon is saying is this. Is that he said, you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is the first step to determining whether what we're doing is in the will of God or not. We don't just trust, right? Solomon, Solomon said, trust in the what? In the Lord, right? There has to be an object of what you're trusting in. Because a lot of people in the world will say, well, I'm just trusting that everything is going to work out good. But the problem is it's not guaranteed, because in order for something to work out good, somebody has to be doing it for you, right? If I say I trust you to go fix my fence, then I'm trusting that you do a good job. I'm trusting in an object. I'm trusting in a person. It's the same thing with Solomon. Solomon's saying you need to trust in the Lord first if we're going to be in the will of God for our lives, if we're going to be making the right decisions. And what he said, he said, he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You have to understand this, that half trust is the same thing as not trusting at all. Because I'm involving myself in it. If I'm not trusting the Lord with all my heart, then there's a part of me that says, you know what, I'm trusting myself as well. There was a commentator, when you read, in, when you read into this and study the scripture, this commentator said this, he said, he that stands with one foot on a rock and another foot on quicksand will sink and perish as certainly as he that stands with both feet on quicksand. You can't have your one, one foot 
and say, Lord, I'm trusting you. And have another foot on quicksand on my own will, on my own decisions, and say, Lord, I'm trusting you because guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall right in. We have, to be, we have to be able to trust the Lord with all our heart. And guess what? He is trustworthy. The Bible throughout generations has declared the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God to fulfill his word, to fulfill his promises, and to do what he has said he can do. You can trust him. In your daily lives, in your daily decisions, I can say, you know what, Lord? I can trust you with all my heart because you're faithful. And I know that you can perform what you said you can perform. The word translated trust in, pre, in, in this verse means to lie helpless face down. It pictures a servant waiting for the master's command in readiness to obey. Or a defeated soldier yielding himself to the conquering general. That's what trusting looks like. That's what that word trust means. The literal sense of it. Trusting in him is giving up control of your life to him, right? I'm not just giving up control of my life to what anybody else wants to do. I'm giving up control to what the Lord wants to do in my life, right? And I'm waiting for his command on what he'd have me to do. That's what it is. is I'm a, a, you're just like the defeated soldier, right, of the conquering general, and I'm laying face down. I'm ready for the command of the Lord. That's what it means to, to truly trust in the Lord. John Brevere said this. He said, you can't, you can't call Jesus your Lord and still run your own life. Right? The fact of us having a Lord, Lord is our master. He's the one that's in charge. He's the one that's running our lives. So if I'm calling Jesus Lord, yet I'm doing what I want to do, then I can't really say that he's my Lord. I may believe in him. I may need stuff from him, but he's not the one directing my life. In order for him to be your Lord, he has to be the one that's directing your life. He has to be the one that's directing your decisions. I know that Jesus is my Lord, and I'm trusting in him, right? When I've given up control, have you ever given up control in your life? Ask yourself that. Have you ever up given, your, given up control of your life to him? That'll dictate and give you surety. You say, you know what? I'm no longer in control, charge of my life. Jesus is my Lord now. He's the one that's making these decisions. When I've given up control of my life, I've given up control of how I think it should go, on how I want it to go, or how, how someone else's opinion of it should go, right? Because I'm not worried. When I've put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I could care less what any other person says. Because guess what? Any other person is temporary, yet he is eternal. And if I, if I stand before him on that day and I haven't, I haven't fulfilled the calling on my life for which he created for me, for me, created my purpose for, then I'll have to answer for that. I won't have to answer to any other human being. I answer to him, right? So that's, that's what it means. Is like, man, I'm giving up my control of my life. You know, I, I, I'm giving up control of how I think it should go, how I want it to go, my pleasures, my pursuits. Because when I met the Lord, I figured out that he is God, he is Lord, and I am not. I am not. And when you're truly trusting in the Lord, everything else fades away, and all that matters is pleasing him. So the first thing that we have to do to figure out if we're in the will of God or not and the things that we're doing are, are in the will of God or not is that I have to trust in the Lord with all my heart. And the second thing I have to do that Solomon said, he said, lean not on your own understanding. And what does that mean? One commentator said it like this, that lean not means do not rely or lean on as a broken crutch. That's what happens when we lean on our own understanding. Because if you've ever been on a crutch in your life, you're depending on that thing to stay up, right? But when we, when we lean on our own understanding, it's just like a broken clutch, a crutch. 
And what you don't want to do is put your weight on it. I don't want to put my weight on my own understanding because if you're like me, I know for a fact that I've made wrong decisions in my life. I've made decisions that, made, that left me broken, that left me in a depression, that made me hit rock bottom. I know that if I was in charge of my life right now, I probably would not even be living anymore. So I can't lean on my own understanding. Lean not on how you, how, how you think sh- things should go. Because when, when I lean on how I think sh- things should go, I build up these expectations. And when those expectations aren't met, I get disappointed. But the thing that you have to ask yourself, this question, you have to ask yourself this question. Did God ever intend it to be like that? Did God intend my life to be like this or did I intend it to be like this? Because I can promise you this one thing, that if God sets an expectation on your life, not only will he hit it, not only will he make that expectation, he will supersede it. The Bible says that he's able to do abundantly more than that we could ever ask or what? Think. So even from my own life, he can do more than I could ever imagine for my own life, than I could ever think, that I can ever will for me. So why would I put a cap on myself when I can believe in the Lord and my li- the, the potential for my life is endless, right? I lean not on my own understanding. If you're upset with the way your life is going on right now, chances are you may be leaning on your own understanding. If you're discontent with how your life is going right now, it's probably because you have these expectations, that you set on yourself, and it's not really what the Lord wants you to do, and it's causing this discontentment. We have to trust in Him first. We have to lean not on our understanding. You have to lean not on your on your knowledge of how things are supposed to go. You can't you can't lean on your knowledge of how you've lived your whole life, because living in the kingdom is so much different than living in in the world, right? Don't lean on your past experiences. Don't lean on your past experiences, and, and, and a good way to know if you're leaning on your past experiences is that if your past experiences are giving you a negative outlook on your future or a negative outlook on people. Because my past experiences, is if I've been hurt, if I've been addicted, my past experiences, the way I look at people is, is I want to shut off. If they've hurt me. Then, then that'll go to everybody else. I can't look at my past experiences. If I've been addicted, right, I can't look at my past experiences as I'll be addicted to everything for the rest of my life. It's not true. You're leaning on your own understanding. Because if I'm really trusting in the Lord and I believe that Jesus, whom the Son sets free, just like we said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, then no matter what I was bound to, no matter how hard I was hurt, no matter how hard my heart got, Jesus is able to soften it. Jesus is able to change it. But I have to trust in him, and I have to not lean on my own understanding. Lean not on your thinking you're sufficient to make decisions for yourself. I think one of the, uh, one of the worst things that we can do, you know, and this is something that, imagine, remember when you were 18, I'm a grown person now. I can make my own decisions. Lean not on that. Lean not that you're 60 years old, you're 50 years old. I have so much experience under my belt. I can make my own decisions, I promise you. It doesn't matter how, how old you are. You'll still mess up. You'll still go a path. If you're leaning on your own understanding, if you're leaning on, on your decision-making and, 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 and how you logically discern things, they can still be outside of the will of God. This is what Proverbs 14, 12 says. There is a path before each person that seems right. 
but it's end is death. There can be a way that seems right that says, you know what, this has to be God because it looks so good. But guess what? It can seem right and be wrong. It can seem right and be wrong for your life. I can't lean on my own understanding. I can't lean on something that looks good. I have to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I have to not lean on my own understanding. And Solomon says this is the third part. He said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. He didn't say some. He said, in all your ways. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The NLT version of this scripture says, seek his will in all you do. Acknowledge him, acknowledging him in all your ways is simply this. It is the choice to invite God into our everyday life and conduct. It is the practice of the presence of God in the regular and sometimes mundane things that happen every day. And what does that mean? Every area, every aspect of my life needs to be governed by the will of God. It needs to be governed by the presence of God if I want my life to become everything that I was destined to be, everything that I was created to be. I have to be able to invite him in. And acknowledging him in all of our ways is literally saying in every, area, in every area of my life, in every situation, in every conversation, in every thought, Lord, I invite you into this. I invite you into this, Lord. Have your way. And what you have to ask yourself every time you're faced with a situation, every time you're faced with a decision, every time you're faced with a conversation of, of hurt, of a broken relationship, a thought is, is you have to ask yourself this, whose way do I want this to go? Right? Do I want this to go God's way or do I want it to go my way? Because when, I, when I'm faced with those situations and I can say, you know what, God, I'm acknowledging you in this. I'm inviting you to make this decision for me because I know that I can mess this up. I know that I can make this wrong, but I know that you can make it right. And if I just trust you, if I just not lean on my understanding on how I think this should go, if I'm not led by my feelings and, and, and how I just feel, but I'm acknowledging you in this, then you'll lead me. If you want his way, you have to invite him into whatever is happening, happening or whatever you're doing. Is there an area of your life, right? Is there an area of your life where you're not inviting him to? Say, Jesus, you can come into this area of my life. You can have my mouth. But just don't touch what my eyes are looking at. You can have my tithe, but just don't tell me how to spend the rest of my money. I give you my body, but don't tell me how to eat. You can tell me wherever to go, but don't tell me how to eat. I love my food. <laughs> you have to invite him. You have to acknowledge him in all your ways. He wants to be, and that's the, that's the thing. God wants to be. You have to understand, he's a personal God. He wants to be in every area of your life. Because guess what? The reason why he, we have to acknowledge him in all of our ways is because he wants our ways to conform to his ways. Because when our ways conform to his ways, then our life will work. But so many people want to realize, they don't realize where their life is not working. It's because they're not acknowledging him in all their ways. They're only giving him a few things. They're only giving him part. And, when, and, and the thing is, if you only give part, just like I'm saying, you're not truly trusting in the Lord. If I'm not truly trusting in the Lord, the trust says, you know what, God, you can have whatever you want. Free reign. I acknowledge you in all my ways because you're worthy of it, and I know you're making me like yourself. And maybe, maybe it's an area. Maybe it's what you're saying. Maybe it's how you're speaking to others that you have to invite them into. Maybe it's on how you speak about others when they're not around. 
right? Like if I'm speaking about somebody or I'm talking about them behind my back and I'm gossiping, then that's not God and I'm not inviting him into that. I'm not inviting him into that. But even if somebody hurts me, even if somebody does something wrong to me, the Bible says that we need to pray for each other first before we pick at each other. I shared this in group the other night, even in marriage. Do you pray for your spouse more than you pick at your spouse, right? It's the truth. We have to pray for each other. God, you have to understand something. My talking about somebody will not change them, but me praying for them will. Yeah, amen. Me praying for them will. And maybe it's in what you're doing, right? Or, or what you're not doing that you should be doing. You ever been in that place of saying, you know what? God's provoking you to do something, but you keep resisting, you keep resisting, you keep wanting your way. And you know you should be doing those things, but you're actually not doing them because you're postponing it. And that's something that the, the enemy loves for you to do. The enemy loves for you to be a procrastinator. Because he's trying to keep you as long as possible from being the person that God's calling you to be. But I have to make that decision. You say, you know what, I'm not procrastinating anymore. I'm going to acknowledge him in all of my ways. and I'm going to do what he tells me to do. Or maybe it's, it's where you're going that you know you shouldn't be going because it's not where he wants you to be. Is there a place where you're going that he doesn't want you to be, that you know it, but you've been resisting it? A lot of times people don't invite the Lord into their lives or to a, a, a particular area of their life because that they know that when they do, things are going to change. And people get so comfortable with the way things are that they don't want to change. And they have this fear that, oh, man, if I, if I have to change and I have to let go of this thing, what will my life be? But the problem is when you say that, you're making that thing an idol instead of worshiping the living God. Whatever I'm not, letting, not willing to let go of in my life becomes an idol in my life. And the Bible says that God is a jealous God. Besides him, there is no other. He will not share his glory with another. I don't want to stand before him in that day and say, you know what, Lord? I love this thing more than I loved you. Because that's what happens. Whether we realize it or not is when we hold on to stuff, rather than holding on to him, we're saying that we love that thing more than him. We love that thing more than him. We have to acknowledge him in all of our ways. In all of our ways. And Solomon says that when we do that, God promises to do this. The fourth thing in that, in that scripture was that he directs your paths. So when I trust in the Lord with all my heart, when I lean out on my own understanding and I acknowledge him in all of my ways, he directs my paths. I'm in the will of God. Trusting in the Lord, not leaning on your understanding, and, and acknowledging him in all your ways is a true picture of what it means to surrender to the Lord, to surrender to his will for your life. You know, you take a, a look at uh, the Old Testament with Israel. Time after time, Israel would rebel against the Lord. They would uh, reject his message. They would go their own way, and God would have to send a prophet to bring his people back. And in one particular instance... The kingdom of Israel is split into two kingdoms. When you read, when you read in Kings, you read in Chronicles, it says that there was, there was the kingdom of Israel, which was, which was in the northern part of Israel, and there was the kingdom of Judah, which was in the southern part. Well, Judah, if you read in Isaiah 30, says this. It says that uh, they began to seek Egypt, all right, as a source of counsel or deliverance from their trouble. And they began to trust in Egypt to help them instead of the Lord. Well, if you don't know any background about Egypt and Israel, God led Israel out of Egypt. Egypt became a place of slavery. It became a place of bondage. And what is Judah doing? 
Judah's now trusting in their past, what God brought them out of for their help and deliverance out of their trouble. How many times has God set, some, set people free from, from addictions and you say, you know what, they get in this, this place of trouble and you say, you know what, this is just too much, I'm going back. I'm going back to the drugs, I'm going back to the bottle, I'm going back to the cigarettes, I'm going back to whatever is going to fulfill or try to, to make this escape from my trouble. But the problem is the trouble will continue to be there. You'll, be, you'll, be, you'll have trouble your entire lives. Understand that. You will have trouble your entire lives and temporary things will not satisfy you eternally. God is not calling you back out, back into what he called you out of. He wasn't calling Judah to go back to, to Egypt. He was calling them to trust in the living God because he had the deliverance, he had their safety, he had everything for them. If they were, so what had to happen, and this was the process with them, is that they quit trusting in the Lord and they go their own way. God pronounces judgment on them for doing so in an, in an attempt to bring them back. God wasn't bringing judgment on them just to be some, some bad guy. God brings judgment on people to bring them back. He will intentionally let you go your own way to bring you to a point where you say, you know what, you're going to hit rock bottom. But, but guess what? When you hit rock bottom, I'll be there because I want to bring you back to myself. That is God's heart with us. The third thing is that he humbles them and he seeks to restore them. Until a person becomes humble, Enough to say, you know what, my way isn't the right way, your way is the right way. That's what has to happen. Somebody will never get saved until they say, you know what, I'm a sinner in need of repentance. I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. I'm a sinner in need of heaven. I'm a sinner in need of what happened on this cross. Because this wasn't in vain. It's nothing that good that I can do that will get me to heaven. It's, it's everything that he did. He said, it is finished. That was out without your opinion. That was without your, your good works. That was before you even came into being. It's finished. And he said that once they do that, once somebody humbles themselves and says, you know what, Jesus, I need you. He says once they do that, he promises to, to respond to their cry for help and give them guidance. Look what he said in Isaiah 30. This is after everything Judah had just done. Isaiah 30, verse 21, he says, your own ears will hear him. This is Isaiah speaking. Your own ears will hear him. Who? God. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. So when I trust in the Lord with all my heart, when I lean not on my own understanding, but I acknowledge him in all my ways and I submit to him, I humble myself, he directs my path. When you're walking throughout your daily life, and you're doing different things, you're going to hear a voice behind you that says, this is the way you need to go. This is what you need to say. This is what you, not, you need not to do. Because if you do, this is where it's going to end up. He will show you which way to take. He directs your paths. This is an exact picture of what it means to make a wrong decision, just like they did. They made the wrong decision and turned away from the Lord, wanted to do their own thing. But it also shows you what, the way to make a right one, to not trust in the Lord and then to turn around and say, you know what, Jesus, I trust you. I trust him. And people say, I just don't know if I'm in the will of God because I'm not happy. We have a whole world that's so concerned about being happy in their life instead of doing what God wants them to do. God isn't just into to making you happy in your life. Understand that. He's into making you holy. And when you become holy, you become happy. He's into making you everything he's called you to be, everything he's created you to be. He is your creator. You didn't create yourself. Your mom and dad didn't create you. He created you. They may have gotten together and been the vessels that he made you through, but he created you. 
Happiness is external. Understand this. Happiness is external because it's situational and temporary. And I can prove that. You say, how can you prove that? Like this. How many of us are, are happy when we get blessed with something? It could be a gift from somebody. It could be a raise at work. That makes us happy, right? But how many of us are unhappy when something bad happens in our lives? It could be an unexpected bill. It could be that we lose our job. It could be a bad report of the doctor, and we're unhappy. Well, guess what? It's temporary and it's situational. And guess what? You'll have plenty of situations in your life that will make you either happy or unhappy. But joy is not like that. Joy is internal, not external. And it's eternal. It's not temporary. And it's because it's, it's eternal because it's produced by the Holy Spirit of God who is eternal. And when you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, just like we sang earlier in that song, I got love, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. When he fills your life, when you submit to God, and you get born again, you get saved, and God fills you with his spirit. He fills you with his joy. And it doesn't matter what situation you go to. It doesn't matter what people do to you. If God gave you something, the world can't take it away. The only way that, that it, it flees from your life and it, it gets out of your life is if you willingly give it up. Understand that. The Bible says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he can't take anything from you that God gave you. You have to willingly give it up. I have to willingly forfeit. Paul said this in Romans 14, 17. He said, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but it's living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the what? In the Holy Spirit. That's what trusting in the Lord gets you. That's what leaning not on your own understanding. You're going to go through situations in your life that, that you're going to have the peace of God, and you say, I don't understand why I have this peace right now because everything around me is falling apart. But guess what? It's because you're in the will of God for your life. His peace is in his will. And it's a good way to determine. I tell this people all the time. I don't know, you know, which decision to, t I don't know which decision to make. I don't know which job to take. And I tell them this. Bible says in, in Philippians 4, 6 that, that to make our requests known to God with prayer and thanksgiving and that when we do that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. His peace is in his will. If you want to know which direction to take in your life or which way he wants you to go, his peace will be there. Not a false peace. Not a peace that says, you know what, I'm talking myself into this but a, a, a true peace of God that isn't wavered by people's opinions, but it's wavered by the opinion of God, right? Come on, come on. If you don't have joy in your life, then it's very possible that you're not surrendering, surrendering yourself to the will of God. There's joy in surrender. There's joy in the will. God's will for our life is far greater, far better than anything we can plan for ourselves. There have been many times in my life where God has done something, done, done something, to, done something for me, and it's been... I, like just this dream. I was telling the guys at the group this the other night. It's like when God does something in your life, it's like, man, I can't, I can't believe this is happening right now, right? It's so much better than I could ever imagine. It's so much better than I can ever plan. I'm like, man, that couldn't have happened any better. The timing couldn't have been any, any better. It's because he knows better than we do. And when I trust him, I'm trusting that he does know better than I do. I'm trusting that he knows better for my life. If he is our father, then my father knows better than I do. 
Because you understand something about God. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows how your life is going to go. He knows what it wants to be. All we have to do is just submit to that. So we have a decision to make. Do we want our way, which has never and will never produce anything of eternal value? Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world but lost his soul in the process? Right? What does it gain, what does it gain me if I was the richest person in the world, yet I didn't have Jesus? Because guess what? When we die, the Bible says we cannot take anything with us. The money that you have, the possessions that you have, the car that you have, the house that you have, guess what? It'll be somebody else's one day, and it may not even be your kids. What does it gain us if we gain the whole world but lose our soul in the process? What does it matter if I followed what I wanted to do my whole life, yet I didn't do what he wanted to do? That doesn't get me to heaven. Or do we want his will that's perfect and will completely satisfy and fulfill our lives? Do we want that? Do you want to be completely satisfied and fulfilled in your life knowing that you, were, that you fulfilled the purpose that God created you for? Paul said, he said, I, he said, I've completed the race. He said, I've completed the race. He knew that he completed everything that God wanted him to be here. And guess what happened? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament because he was obedient to God. He was famous in God's sight. Do you want to be famous in God's sight? Submit to him. Trust him. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Every morning you wake up, ask yourself one question. Do I want God's way today or do I want mine? Do I want God's way today or do I want mine? Trusting in him. Get this. Trusting in him takes the guesswork out of my life. I don't have to worry about what my life is going to be. I don't have to worry about the trouble coming my way. I don't have to worry about the people that may say things about me behind my back that may persecute me when I try to tell them about Jesus. I don't have to worry about that. Trusting in him takes the guesswork out of my life. I don't have to guess if I'm going to make it anymore. Will I make ends meet? No, I'm going to make ends meet. He's going to supply it. If I'm in his will, he's going to supply it. I don't have to guess if I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay because I'm trusting in the Lord. And I have his joy and I have his peace. And if you're here today and you don't know which way you're going in your life, you probably haven't surrendered to the God's will for your life. And if you can't honestly say that without a doubt you're following Jesus today, then you're probably still going your own way. But the good thing is, and it's good news, is that you don't have to do that anymore. Whenever the gospel is preached, it's, it's an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I'm going one way. But as soon as I hear that voice behind me, <laughs> it's an opportunity for me to turn around. And say, you know what, Jesus, I may have been going one way in my life, but it hasn't done anything for me. It hasn't gotten me anywhere, and you know what, Jesus, I've made a wreck of my life. I've done things I shouldn't have, and I regret those things. And as I take that step towards him, and I say, you know what, Jesus, I accept you. I trust in you with all my heart. I lean out on my own understanding of how my life is going to go anymore, and, and, and I choose to acknowledge you in all my ways. That's what repentance is. And I believe in what he did for me on the cross. And the Bible says that when I do that, he saves me. It's not over a period of time. You're not saved over a period of time. It's an instant. 
just like you were drowning in water. You look at Peter. Peter's falling in the water, walking to Jesus. And guess what? Boom. Picks him up. It's the same thing with us. We may be drowning. We may be in the pit. But the Bible says that the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. It's not too short to save. It doesn't matter what situation you're in right now. It doesn't matter the decisions or how much wrong or how much hurt you've caused other people. His arm is not too short to save. Don't lean on your understanding and say, how could God ever forgive somebody like me? How could he ever say, guess what? If you were the last person on earth, he still would have died for you. He still would have came. He still would have endured everything that he would have endured because he loves you. Stand with me. If you've never made a decision, with every, head, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've never made the decision and said, you know what, Lord, 